Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beats of the Market podcast. I'm your host, Ed Martin. We're going to have a shorter episode today. We still got a lot to cover, but we're just going to squash it all in. Plenty of important things going on. Let's get it. It is Sunday, June 19th, also known as Juneteenth, and it also this year fell on Father's Day, the American Father's Day. I'm not sure where Europeans are celebrating that on their calendar, but shout out to the dads out there. Hope you had a great Father's Day and also to my dad, who's been totally awesome. Now, this week we had an unbelievable heat wave coming in from the Mediterranean in Europe here. And my pilot friend says these are trade winds that are coming up from the Sahara through the Mediterranean. You know, we we had something like this not long ago where we had the sand coming up and it was just sticking on the cars. It was kind of surreal. You might have seen some videos of snowboarders in places like the Alps where the sand had actually stuck on the snow and it looked like they were sandboarding. So that was pretty, pretty wild. Since the cool thing for politicians to do now is to blame everything on Putin, I'm actually going to say that this is Putin's fault and that my sunburn on my back from being at the pool for three hours is also Putin's fault. So take that. In this week's episode, we're going to cover the consumer again, particularly the American consumer. We might look at some other European credit utilization data, which is showing us for the most part that People are having a hard time affording life and they're levering up. And as usual, I'll cover gas and oil in relation to inventory levels and the strategic petroleum reserves. That will be more in the headlines as we get into peak summer months and as we get into the European winter. I'll also be covering the investment property landscape and some issues that I see in those markets that I believe the market is completely sleeping on. So let's just cover the markets real quick. We had SPY, the S&P 500, sell off 3.8%, so roughly 4% this week. And we had the triple Qs, the tech stocks, sell off about 2%. So year to date, we are down 23% on the S&P 500. And year to date on the triple Qs, we were down about 31%. Now, fun fact, there's been very, very few times where the market has started year this bad and we haven't had a recession and so last time we were talking about the atlanta feds forward real growth gdp guidance they went from 24 to 19 to 12 to 0.9 and now as of the 16th they've come out and said it is zero so it is highly likely based on the statistics of market performance and where guidance is going that we are already in a recession So one of the themes of this podcast is looking at market data to get an actual understanding of what's happening underneath the surface, because a lot of times what the government or what an institution is saying ends up being completely different from the real-time data that's coming out. So we're going to talk a little bit about the consumer. Again, I know we talked about that last time. And I also want to spend some time covering the investment property market, which to me just looks like a massive bubble right now. There was a great piece that came out from 
Bloomberg UK, and it just consolidated data from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And it said the amount of loans taken out for investment properties has since 2018 increased 18 fold. That puts total investment property loans without taxpayer backing at roughly $10 billion. That's just an extremely alarming number if you're looking at the long-term trend, because if these borrowers are qualifying based on rental income, which the loan data is showing that the majority of them are, then they are three times more likely to default on their loans than those with conventional mortgages in a weak economy. Yeah, I think we can all see how this goes or where it's already going. So as if we didn't feel like we're in 2007 with this information here already, the article goes on to say that another company in the U.S. goes under the name of Hometown Equity Mortgage LLC is promoting what it calls no owner, no income or nani loans to mortgage brokers. And if you've read The Big Short or you've seen the movie, this will sound eerily familiar to the ninja loans, which is no income, no job or assets. Anyway, I guess we don't learn anything, but I went to this company's website to do some research and make sure it was a real thing. And sure enough, there they are. And who do they market to on the front page? VA loans. Because if they know that they have substantial counterparty risk in a economic downturn, then they're, in my opinion, preying on an institution that they know would be bailed out. And I guess from a business model, it's probably smart, but I think there's something horribly fucked up with that model. And if they have veterans going in there to take out loans and they're saying, hey, this is fine, don't worry about it. We have loads of people doing this, you'll be okay. And then they bankrupt them. Um, man, I just, I can, I could picture the headlines nasty. And we've got 10 billion of these things packaged up without any taxpayer support. So for the grocery store owner that went from making a hundred thousand a year to over a million a year, just based off of these rental incomes, I just think it's totally ridiculous. Who are the banks that packaged up all these loans and bonds? Credit Suisse, Group AG, and Barclays PLC. So what does the market tell us about risk for Credit Suisse? Well, the five-year credit default swaps on Credit Suisse, however they're called, they should be called Debit Suisse at this point, it went from 50 at a low of 2021 up to 175. They're, the credit risk implied in the credit default swaps is now higher than the peak of 2020. So the market is telling you that something is wrong and people are betting against these morons. Now let's toss around some numbers real quick here and play with this investment property idea. Let's say you take out a mortgage for an investment property and your monthly payment is $3,000 a month and it's a pretty nice place. And you can get, let's say, $300 to $400 a night based on good travel, you know, good seasonality of the home rentals on Airbnb. And if you're getting, let's say, right around three weeks, let's say 15, 16, 17 days worth of um, occupancy, that's getting you twice the coverage for the mortgage. So that would be maybe at 350 for 16 or 17 nights, gets you up to like 6,000 a month. So you're clearing your mortgage payment by two times. Now let's say that travel comes down 
And because there's so many Airbnbs that have been competing with each other, they've created a bubble inside their own network. And as you go into this recessionary environment, there's going to be a massive drop in travel. At least people spending 350, 400 a night on these luxurious travel places. So let's say that goes to five. Now all of a sudden that mortgage is in trouble and if they have to drop prices, then that just makes the problem even worse, it like amplifies it. And then we know from the loan data that these people are taking out multiple mortgages on other investment properties. So I'm gonna be looking at this, I'm gonna keep my eye on the average price changes for Airbnb locations kind of globally, because I'm a bit of a nerd like that, and I wanna see where things are getting squeezed. And if anyone has exposure to lending in the Airbnb investment property world, it could be an incredible short. And I think some of these swaps that we've seen might already be pricing in counterparty risk. Now, I was also curious where this stands in relation to European consumers. And there was a report out from The Guardian that says, the UK's credit card borrowing has risen at its fastest annual rate in 17 years, pushing us back to the highest figure since November of 2005. And we're looking at credit card borrowing uh, at 11.6% in April. It increased 5.7% from 5.2% in March. That's the fastest increase from before the pandemic. Back to the US side, another report that speaks to the consumer is Ford's CFO coming out and saying that the average monthly car loan payment for a new vehicle just hit an all-time high of 656 and 546 for used vehicles in May and the average loan term for these used vehicles hit a record of 71 months. Now, I'd be willing to bet that Michael Burry has some short positions in some of these bubbles or investment property bubbles that he sees here. And a lot of what he has tweeted or put out was telling people to focus on the, or at least look at the US personal savings rate. And so he's a smart guy. I don't wanna be on the other side of a bet with him. He's usually ha he usually has a very high conviction rate. And so I just kind of looked at this and he had posted this graph from Bloomberg of the US consumer savings rate. Uh, I just checked this recently. It was 4.4% as of this month. So that's the US personal savings rate divided by gross domestic product. And on the current trajectory, that gets us to September, December at zero. So by the end of this year, Americans will be saving $0 compared to gross domestic product. They will be levering up at record levels. They'll be refinancing their loans if they have to refi at like six and a half or seven percent. And then Americans are all about consumer sentiment. So when the consumer feels weak or they feel like they have to withdraw spending to, you know, afford life, then they're not going to go out in these Airbnbs. And eventually that will hit the upper income brackets. And the final thing I'll say on that topic is we also know that that we know now that home values are starting to cool off. They're starting to come down. And so that's just another thing that's adding to the downside here. So if you were to get into the investment property market now, I would say don't attend a funeral if you didn't attend the wedding.
let's dig through energy real quick here. Now for crude oil, we are up 44%. We just closed this week at 110 a barrel, and that is down from last week's uh, top of around 120. And I actually think that the inventory draws, which came out lower than expected, were mostly due to the draining of the strategic petroleum reserves. The US Department of Energy is saying that the SPR on current trends will shrink to a 40 year low of 358 million barrels by October. Now, at the beginning of last year, it was at 621. So they've chopped the entire uh, you know, glut of oil in half just in a year. And uh, what's gonna happen if that goes to zero in a year? And that's just something to keep our eyes on. And it could mean long lines at the gas station, shortages. And if, you know, it, from what it looks like to me, the U.S. is throwing everything it can to get oil prices down, and they got it down $10. So the U.S. weaponizes the dollar by freezing people's currency, FX reserves, and Russia says, hey, check this out. We're going to weaponize energy. Have fun with this. And so Russia is increasing the intensity of their energy weaponization by cutting off gas flows through the Nord Stream pipeline. And if you look at a long-term chart of the our hourly physical flows of gas from Russia based on the metric of KWH uh, per hour uh, in millions here, then you can see between, I'm just looking on the, the, the monthly chart here, we go from June 2nd, 70 million, all the way down to as of June 18th, 30 million. So they really just cut the flow in half in like a two or three week span. And that is going to have, in my opinion, pretty devastating effects on energy security. Now, even with the highs in energy here, at least for now, temporarily, I almost don't want to jinx it. We are seeing the five-year inflation swaps and the 10-year break-evens release some cooling. So whether that's focused around core inflation kind of settling down a bit, it does look like the expectations are coming down a bit. So maybe we'd be looking at a peak around September timeframe. It's just really difficult to say because if you get a um, higher draw from energy or Europe needs more from the US and they have to send more to keep friends with them, then oil can just go higher and higher. And that's going to be a huge drag, uh, you know, a huge input for for CPI. So no telling yet if we've peaked, very difficult to say, but the five year inflation swaps in the market are telling us that inflation uh, expectations are coming down. We will see going forward, speaking about politicians and institutions, I had a big smile on my face from Mr. Jerome Powell, the uh, head of the Federal Reserve Bank, who actually pulled off the 75 basis point hike. And that was such a funny market reaction because you have this short sentiment and everyone's like, oh, yes, we're getting some credibility back and good for him. Good for him for toughing it out and, and making a step towards the right decision. And then it's just like a day after this, the market just shits the bed and it goes in Friday and then Monday, the market still has the hangover from the, you know, the, the implication that borrowing costs are going up particularly as we head into this recession. So I personally don't think they're going to do anything else besides interest rate hikes. 
maybe we get another 75 bips on the table or something here. They can get a little bit of elevation before they have to drop it again. It's almost like, let's take a bunch of shots at the bar. Let's take five shots at the bar in a row and then drive in our car 90 miles an hour so we can get home before we're drunk. I don't think they're going to be able to do QT, quantitative tightening, because they did it once and it was a total disaster. And they have this report that comes out. It's just a total, it, I mean, it's something, I, I mean, it just, I, I don't even know how to explain it. But it basically says, yeah, this QT is going to be the equivalent of, you know, a 25 basis point hike. I mean, they have no fucking idea. It's a total clown car. They don't know what it's going to do to the market or what type of effect it's going to have on the money supply. And there's so much volatility in mortgage bonds, MBS, those those rates have gone completely nuts. And they also went no bid. So a lot of they can't find a buyer for them and they just keep selling off. Rates go higher and higher. So how in the hell are they going to do outright sales on these assets if they're already having problems in these markets with high yield spreads blowing out? And we did see the spreads in the bond market move towards widening. And we're at around 2018 levels of stress here. So we'll see how this plays out. And again, don't listen to the politicians or the market analysts. On May 4th, Jerome Powell said, and I quote, a 75 basis point increase is not something we're actively considering. And then just a month later, they did it. So totally wrong on that. And then for the S&P 500 target, we've got 45 strategists that were pulled by uh, you know, a business organization, uh, Reuters here. And over the last two weeks, they have an average target of 4,910, uh, which uh, we're at 3,600. And we're just getting into an earnings recession. So I don't know what the fuck these people are thinking, but I would not pay attention to this kind of news. I would just be cautious. I'm not saying don't buy quality names or, you know, keep investing and just run and hide under couch. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that these estimates look way too optimistic and they've been wrong on everything so far. So why are they going to suddenly be right now? Anyway, next thing I was going to talk about is a recent report which came out on Tesla. And this was the result of a Freedom of Information Act that came out from a whistleblower. It was a previous filing in February of 2014 regarding cash balances on a general ledger for the company. And it's looking very suspicious in the accounts receivable columns. And it could be the case that there was some shenanigans going on with the reporting there. Now, I bring this up because it was just recently reopened a few days ago and made public. So this report in February of 2014 wasn't fully disclosed. And now it's being reopened with full disclosure. So keep an eye on Tesla on Elon Musk's little meltdown personality, see if he looks like he's under stress, any you know, red flags, open sales in the market, which he did do. He's openly sold Tesla stock into the market. And if this investigation with Price, Water, uh, PWC, um, they're the auditor here, they might be in some shit too. Are we looking at an Arthur Anderson situation? I don't know, but it's worth keeping an eye on. I said this was going to be a shorter episode. I will be on vacation for the next two weeks. So unfortunately, I won't be able to record or look at market data in real time until I'm back. I just want to say thanks so much for listening. I hope you're taking one thing away from this. I'll be really excited to come back from vacation and go over 
more research and happenings in the world. Much love. is for entertainment purposes only nothing i say should be construed as investment advice and some of the securities i talk about may be actively held